Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of, um, gosh, Fusion Underground. This is actually our second expansion pack. And today I'm joined with uh, a good friend of mine a, and special guest for the show today, uh, Paul Baba. He's, he's an artiste. Um, and we're going to be talking about comic books. So uh, Paul is actually uh, drawing, writing, and producing his own comic book. Uh, he, you can get it off of Amazon, amazon.com, uh, digital sales right now. So you can purchase it and start reading it right away. And I, uh, if you're a fan of comic books, uh, I encourage you to do so. I've read the first book. Uh, he's working on book two right now, but I'm going to let him talk about, uh, talk about that. And we're going to talk about all kinds of other stuff in comic books. I mean, we both are fans of comic books. We're fans of comic book movies, et cetera, et cetera. I know you have a lot of opinions about comic books as do couple. I. Very so, um, Paul, why don't you, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about yourself and, and about your comic? Um, I started a comic uh, about a year ago because, you know, you finally have to just get off your butt and actually make a comic if you can complain about them all the time. And I want to tell, I have a certain stories I want to tell. And to be able to tell the stories, I just, I want to find an art, a way to produce it that takes out the, the middleman of the, pro, like the production of like a publishing, printing, shipping. And with Kindle now available, it's anyone can make a book now, whether it's a comic book yeah. or an actual type of book, like like word book and with Kindle update or like in comiXology, which is owned by Amazon also, which is Kindle's owned by Amazon. Yeah. These all yeah. combined allows anyone just to put your ideas out there. So I thought, I mean, in the technology as it is right now, there's no easier time to do it than right now. So if you have any ideas, put them out there. And if you, if you get an audience, then you cut out all those other people who are trying to change your work. And as an artist, you want to get your, your work out there without everyone saying, hey, change this, change that, change this. You just want to get something pure out there and hopefully find an audience and get going with that. But, um, so, so why did you, I mean, why now other than the technology? I mean, you're reading, reading comic books and figuring, let's go ahead and do that. Can you talk a little bit about like, what is it that you had to learn or what was difficult about publishing in this kind of a medium? Um, it wasn't so much the learning part. It was a matter of just the timing because comic books is a labor intensive thing. So when you have other things going on in your life, you end up going, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And you just never get around to actually doing it. Where now I just, I have the time. It's like of all the different hobbies I used to have, I've kind of deleted most of them. Like I don't play video games anymore. I don't, I don't have role playing games as a fun little thing. I don't play miniature games. All these other hobbies I used to do, it take a lot of time up. So if you just, and I just concentrate on artwork. And with that, I'm just able to finish it because, I mean, if you can only do like one or two pages a day or like a week, like a lot of people are, that's their hobby. And they draw like one comic page a day or a week. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're doing one page a week, you're never going to finish a comics. I mean, you're, you're looking at a year to finish one comic and you're never going to have an audience. I mean, you can do like a one shot doing that, but if you want like an actual storyline of any type of like length, people are not going to wait around for months at a time for if you're not, you know, Todd McFarlane or some guy who actually has a following, no one's waiting for you. Mm -hmm. We're now with the, the, with the, the Cintiqs where you can draw actually on a computer. Now you don't have to put on paper first and scan it in. So you have a, a, a purely digital platform that you can do coloring. You can do everything all at once and then just upload it straight. Cause the, the program I use was clip studio paint. Mm -hmm. it's made specifically in Japan for comic books or manga for them, whatever. And with that, they literally have a button. You press the button boop, and it puts you to Kindle and goes and format your stuff and you're done. There, there's no, I have to make sure it's the right format, it's the right size, it's the right this, it's right. No, no, it's a button. So, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Mm -hmm. And it'll format and it even formats it automatically for like mobile and tablets, whether you're looking at your tablet or your phone or your, you know, some type of mobile device just it automatically just goes okay it looks good here boom you're done so with that what's that go ahead no keep oh, finish, finish so that with off. that it just became of like this is the the perfect time to do it mm -hmm. and then in another another vein the comics i'm seeing out there i don't want to read because there's this huge niche of people these people who are making comics today you have like an independent group that are still making comics that people want to read but the mm -hmm. big two and three, which is you know Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and Image, aren't making comics anybody cares about anymore. And they're, they're changing the comic industry so much 
that your, your average person goes, I want to read a, a comics about superheroes. Well, good luck because all the superheroes now just fight each other. They don't have villains anymore because they just, I mean, the X-Men and the X-Men villains are all friends now. They all live on an island and they fight each other. <laughs> well, that's not fun. Right. So no one wants to, I mean, there's no one to root for if everyone is basically a, an idiot or like a bad guy. Right. So, and then like, so people are basically going, well, I can't find it with American comics. So I'm going to go to manga. And if you look at manga, it's very serial, episodic, almost soap opera-ish in the fact that you're just following the lives of these people, whatever they may be. I mean, they have mm-hmm. cooking shows and tennis mm-hmm. shows and volleyball manga. They have a manga for everything. And if we could just get that into America where people are just like, we can just watch what like you would normally watch on a television show like Netflix, but instead have, <clears throat> you know, people interested in your, your, your vision of like, your overall story and you have a, like a complete vision of what you want to tell as a story. I think people will get involved with that because I think that the days of this is a one shot, 23 page comics that has no bearing on anything else that's going on. That's like in the long term. I think those are done because no one wants to read like, like Marvel's big thing is they had these huge get togethers where they're like, you know, to read the storyline, you got to buy 20 different comics. Well, do the math on that. They're five bucks a piece. That's not, if you're 10, that's not an option. You're going to go comic PlayStation game. I'm playing PlayStation game. Right. Because that's just so, but if you made it where they're cheaper, as I mean, we've already like on another form, we've already talked about like personally between us is I think they should dumb down the art a little bit, make it more simplified. So it's not just illustration and put it out more. So people get hooked on it. So they're like every two weeks, there's a new comics coming out and I want to see what's going on. I want to see what happens with Spider-Man and, and, and you know, in every episode on a cliffhanger, just like the old radio serials did, it forces you to watch them or listen to them for radios. Right. So if you had that, that type of like comics, I think you could get people back into it. But if you can just skip four or five comics and, and nothing changes ever, I mean, that's, that's not interesting. And in the same vein, I don't think it's interesting when you have to read the one storyline, not only you have to buy X-Men, you got to buy all the derivatives of the X-Men, all the different, like, you know, every other comics out there that Marvel makes to find one storyline. Because what if you don't like those comics? Then you only get part of the storyline and you're left out of the loop. And I understand it's a marketing gimmick, but it's a marketing gimmick that's going to lose audience. And that's what this is all about is if you make a story, no one reads it, don't bother making the story. Because right. it's, it's, there's nothing, without an audience, a story doesn't mean anything. And that's what I was just like that thinking. And so then you just decided to jump in there. Now I've actually read, I know you're working on book two of your comic book. That's so the, for those listening, the comic book is called uh, little ball of hate. Um, and I love the premise about the book. Um, it, for years, I've always been a, a big fan of, well, I've always been a big fan of mythology. Um, but your book, you're pulling in elements of what I would consider more to be Western mythology. There's a lot of, Christian themes in it. And by Christian, I mean more like angelic, you know, the concepts of, of angels, demons, you know, you, you talk about uh, succubi being in the book and things like that. So it's, it's got this, this, it's, it's well rooted in this, what I would call Western, Western mythology. Um, but it does take place in, in Phoenix, Arizona, which I find is quite interesting. Um, but what, why the whole concept of angels, angels battling in the world? Why, what is it about that that drew you into drawing this particular book? Mythology has always fascinated me. And the way angels are like mostly people kind of shy away from them. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. the way I see angels <clears throat> is kind of like the old school version of they're basically God's messengers. And by the way, coming from a guy who has zero theology in me. Right. <laughs> so this is the funniest yeah. part. I'm a, I'm a hardcore atheist, yeah. but I respect the people who believe in religion. I don't, I, I find their beliefs. I don't believe their beliefs, but I don't find them stupid for having those beliefs. So I'm, I'm taking the, the really, the religion of angels and demons and stuff of that nature and taking it seriously. And then writing a story about a guy who literally just sleeps with a demon is now stuck with her. Right. So it, it, he, he can't leave her. She can't leave him. She's not a good person because she's, she's not a bad person as in like an evil person. She's created to do one thing and that's what she's created for. So she has no choice in the matter of not being that way. So that's just how it is. 
Right. And then uh, it's just a relationship of like what would really happen. Because I've seen, I've read a lot of manga where you have the demon girl. You have, I call it the magical demon girl because it's mm-hmm. like I dream of Jean. You, you get the magical girl and now she's like mm-hmm. that. But most of the time when you see those type of girls, she's like got like this, like she's a demon, but somehow she has a heart of gold where she's just like, she's a really good person down inside. <laughs> that, that's not really what a demon would be. A demon is a, is a demon for a reason. And if you're immortal, and you can't literally be killed by mortals because you're, you're immortal, basically, because you're created to do this thing. And you've been, allowed, you've been alive for thousands of years. Humanity would be puppies to you. So they're not real to you. She don't care about them. It'd be like if we're just crushing ants around us. We don't care. But, she, but she's created for a certain reason. And to do that, she has to interact with humanity. And now she's stuck with this guy named Gavin because she slept with him and didn't kill him. Cause that's normally what happens when you sleep with them is you, they kill you. So, and then in Gavin's kind of a special case also, which you read in the book that he's not normal also, but not, not, he's not special in any way. It's actually, he's hollow. So yeah. it, it, there's a problem with him also. So it's, it's just like a bunch of people who just have normal lives that have, none of them are like, I don't have caricatures of this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. They're right. just people living. They all must make mistakes and they all do bad things and good things. And that's what I find interesting is the relationship factor. And then and on top of that, you throw in there that there are angels. They do They're and they're not angels in my world. They're not nice. They're not guardian angels. They, they help move the world along as what basically the God, you know, what God wants them to do. So if you're in their way, you don't want to be in their way because that's they're, they're angels. But if so, and they don't really interfere in free will as in like, you know, they're not guiding things like with strings or whatever. So that fascinated me. So I thought that would be an interesting play of making it based in that instead of picking some like, you know, Asian or Middle Eastern kind of back. Well, actually it is Middle Eastern, but whatever. But some background that's not Western culture because mm-hmm. that's what I know. And I, and I pick Phoenix because... I know Phoenix. I've lived here for 20 something years and it's just an interesting place to live. That's not New York. That's not California. So it's, it's just, but it is a big enough city that things can happen here. Sure. It sure. Just, but that so many people are like, you know, conflicts always happen in New York or they always right. happen on the East coast. And it's like, okay, but there's, there's other, or, or the 20 parts, like a lot of the back in the day, they had like gen 13 that took place in uh, California, Southern California. And of course, the artists never lived there, so they draw Southern California like it's New York, right? And it's like that's that's not Southern California, <laughs> so I don't understand. So you just got to make it look like the place. Plus, I think if you base your stuff in some type of reality, not the nebulous like Gotham or or uh, Superman's place, I can't think of what it's called. Metropolis. He lives. Metropolis. Yeah. Yeah. If it's just some place that no one really knows, it's for me. It's hard to get involved with it because it's just like this. It's might as well say Camelot. It doesn't mean anything right. where this is it's Phoenix and the places that they, they interact in the, in the comics are real Phoenix places. So like if, oh, yeah. if you knew where they were, you could actually go visit, you know, the waffle house in like issue two is the waffle house over here where I live. <laughs> Cause it's, that's what it is. And so it, it, issue five, they were up on top of South mountain, which I like that. Yeah. Down so it's like, yeah, yeah. South mountain is really South mountain. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. What I like about the book, well, there's several things I actually like about the book. Um, uh, I like the, f- the fact that the art is, is simplified. And when you talked about that before, um, you don't spend an exorbitant amount of time drawing stuff in the background. You do only for when, only when it makes sense or when you have to move the story along. Um, but for the most part, the camera is focused on the characters and what they're doing. And the other thing that I really like about the comic is um, there's a there's a there's an animated sense to the panels when you're reading the comic. The action sequences, especially like there's a there's an action sequence in in issue five um, that's just downright brutal. It's a brutal battle, um, but it's drawn so well. There's a, there's a great sense of, of action going from one panel to the next. Um, and how one panel sets up the results of the, of the subsequent panels. Um, you you know, how do you go about, I mean, is that a challenge to, to draw that way or to conceptualize things that way? Or have you just been studying this for so long that it comes naturally? Well, you on the first point where you said that there's not a lot of backgrounds and Mm -hmm. I believe that you should have establishing thoughts only in comics. That's like, here's another rant about modern comics. They want to be illustrators. They don't want to be comic artists. 
So, and your eye doesn't work that way. There's a thing called depth of field, which means you only can like basically focus on foreground, middle ground, or background. You can't focus on all three at once. So if you have like Spider-Man swinging through the city, there's no reason to actually draw the city behind him because one of them is going to be blurry. Your eye doesn't work that way. And that's like, if you see modern movies, that's why you always see like the CGI is phony, like for like backgrounds, because it's perfectly clear from right where the character's standing in the movie out to infinity. I mean, your eye doesn't work that way. So if my, my theory is, is like, just like and manga does this a lot in Jap, Jap, Japanese, which is a time-saving thing because they're doing weekly comics, is basically you establish where they are, and every couple panels you establish what's going on around them. But when they're, when they're moving, you, you focus on the characters. And, it, and I simplified them simply because I'm an animation fan. I love Disney, their style of animation. So that's what they're, they're very Disney-fied with like the little bit larger eyes the more expressive because if you ultra realistic people like a, you think we have a huge range of emotions, we really don't. And it, that's why in like stage play, you play where so much makeup and stage. So people in the back row can actually see what you're doing. Otherwise you just look like a little person up there. Right. So if you, if you emphasize all the, like the, the, the big eyes, the, the, the huge expressions, you can get that across. And that's what I was trying to shoot for this. And then for like the action scenes, I would just try to choreograph it to where when you're just following it, it reads briskly. And it also allows you to kind of like, I don't like the, the normal style of the American comics is where it's like, you know, hero comes against villain. They have this big monologue. They fight technically, but it's usually one giant splash panel of the villain or getting punched out by the bad guy or the good guy. Right. And then right. we just go, hey, he won. Well, that's, that's no fun at all because there's this huge buildup and then one punch and the bad guy's out. Well, that's boring. So I want to show a little bit more of like, especially because when you're looking at like, and the fight you're talking about is the little, she's basically a little demon girl, which is like Isidore. And yeah. if you have yeah. a human being and you're basically for the most part indestructible, stronger than a human being, your fighting style is completely different, which is literally, I'm going to grab a piece of you and rip them off. Yeah, she does that. That's what happens. <laughs> she doesn't have to worry about being hurt and she's right. faster than you. So literally it's just like, I'm going to overwhelm you. And I'm just going to tear you apart. And Where the, the humans on the other side are like, if she touches me and gets a hold of me, I'm dead. So I have to do everything possible to kill you before you touch me. And that's just, and it really comes in book two when Ball takes on three basic guys just hanging out on like outside. Mm -hmm. And it shows that they're on a different level of what they can achieve just simply because they're just so much stronger and quicker than us. But on a side note, they weigh 115 pounds. So you pick her up, you can throw her across the room because physics still apply to her. Yeah. But so that was another thing I was trying to get to because I always hated like superheroes. Like if a superhero in movies gets hit by a car, they stand there and the car wraps around them. I'm like, no, no, you weigh 180 pounds. You get punted <laughs> by the car. You might smash the car, but you're getting punted by it and you're going to go flying. And even if you don't get hurt, someone can make your life miserable by just literally just keeping you off balance and throwing you around the room. And that always kind of fascinates me that you could have a fighting style, kind of like an MMA fighting style, where you just keep your opponent off balance. And no matter how strong they are, it's like if you keep them off their feet off the ground, they can't plant their feet, they can't really do anything to you. So I'm just kind of playing with these ideas to make it semi-more realistic. Because I always believe in that, that kind of thing. It's like if you're going to have fantastic things in your comics, you have one fantastic thing. Everything else has to kind of be based in reality. If you just keep having more and more fantastic things, your audience just goes, everything's fantasy so nothing matters so i want to keep a, something grounded that word you're watching you're like okay well i know she's super strong but if someone picks her up she's off the ground and i mean she still wouldn't want to get that close to her but still if you're able to get her on the ground and toss her she's going to be tossed if you're strong enough because she don't weigh nothing mm -hmm. and that's just that's what interests me so it's a different kind of take on a superhero genre so what has been what has been the biggest, you know, has, has there been a big struggle for you in terms of creating the comic book on a regular basis? The biggest thing I know is when I first started it, I wanted a very, very simple system. So if you look at, cause I, I kind of make an, an ash can, the first 25 pages was issue one. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It's very quick. I did the entire thing like in a week because I just wanted to get it out there. And it was when Comic-Con was actually here and I wanted to get it out so I could show people at Comic-Con something I did. So I made it really quick. And then the, the more I went with it, the more I was like, I can spend a little bit more time 
So it's just become a, a kind of an evolution of making them, all the characters a little bit more detailed, all the backgrounds a little bit more, adding a little bit more tones. Cause I, I do like the black and white look, but I want more of a not so everything just white with black line to give it a little bit more depth and put a little more tones on it. So it's just a matter of, cause like, like right now in issue five, I'm doing hair. I'm toning all the hair and I hate every second of it because it's just <laughs> literally just coloring, but okay. it, it gives it that enough of the, 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 the depth of it to make everyone look different because if you just make everyone black and white, now you have, well, hair can be either black or white or if you have the tones, you can make different hairstyles. So you can, and it's easier for your characters to be differentiated. Like one of the feedbacks I had back from in book one was uh, Gavin and his friend, Matt have almost the same look, just have a little bit different hairstyle. And people were like, they look the same. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of hard to tell who the, who's, who was who. So I'm like, oh, all right. So I changed Matt's hairstyle gave him darker hair and even colored Gavin's hair blonde. And instead of just making it just like the paper white, it's now mm-hmm. a blonde color. So that way I can, because I don't want ever to people go, who's that? You don't ever want to be confused. You just want to go, that's them. That's them. And that's why another reason between Ball and Isidore, who look exactly alike, they have piercings and right. Isidore has tattoos. Right. Otherwise, okay. being twins and looking exactly like each other, that just becomes confusion. And I don't, right. have, the, I don't have the ability to go, that's like, like, that she has purple hair, she has green hair, something like they do in like, you know, cartoons. So this way it's just like, I have different ways of, cause they have different facial piercings. That way you can tell who's talking to you. And then once you get down, they do have different speech patterns of how they talk. But if you're just picking up an issue and just reading it, you need to know from right from then the visual, that's why they have superhero costumes. That's, that's Spider-Man because that looks like Spider-Man. It's just an easy visual of doing it. And it's just, as I said, I cut down cause in the first, the first book I was doing bi-monthly which was 46 pages per every other month. And then now I'm doing monthly. I cut it back to 26. And even then it's like, it always comes down to like crunch time of, I have like four more days and I have this to do. and I still have the cover to do. So you just got to sit down and go, I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm going to do what I need to be done. So instead of watching a TV or instead of going out to friends with a bar or whatever, no, no, you're drawing, sit down and draw. And that's just what you have to do. So are you still having fun doing it? I'm having a blast because I mean, it's, I've always had like ideas for stories in my head. Hence mm-hmm. why I got into role-playing games back in the day. Cause I had a captive audience of players who played my story. Mm-hmm. So this is another way of just being like telling a story without the problems actually having players with you. <laughs> so people wanting this, to go off and do certain yeah, exactly. things. Like, no, no, I don't want to do that. This is the story. <laughs> so, so I have a story and what's nice is it's, and once again, since it's now the technology allows you, you don't have to write, draw it on paper and you don't have to like ink it on paper and color it on paper and then try to scan and do all the steps. It's all in my computer right now. It's just on a Cintiq, which is a, a giant tablet you can draw on. With that, it takes all that stuff. I didn't want the computer. What's also nice is back in the day, if you messed up on a Bristol board, you know, they used to draw them on 11 by 17 Bristol board, your, your panels or your, your page. If you messed up, you're busting out the whiteout. Mm. which is a pain in the butt because you're then the ink doesn't really go over whiteout very well because it, it can't suck into whiteout because whiteout is literally just paint. Mm-hmm. So you have that problem where on a computer you can do all your panels and do all your thumbnails, which are just like little sketches of how your panels can be laid out. You can even finish your inks, finish your everything and go, Ooh, that panel doesn't work. And what you can do is you just, you know, select that panel, save it just so it's or like you or keep it just, you know, dot your eye like on Photoshop where you can make things become invisible just dot it so it disappears and draw a new panel. And if it looks better, you go, oh, I'll keep that one instead. And you just remake the panel. And it, it's so like you can like change stuff on the fly. So it's like that panel doesn't read very well. Or, or you have the problem where you, I don't know if you know, understand what the 180 degrees is, but for the audience, mm-hmm. when you're watching a television show, the 180 degree rule is that characters on the left-hand side stay on the left-hand side. Characters on the right-hand side stay on the right-hand side. Right, Otherwise, right. the audience gets confused. Yeah. Well, when you're drawing your panel every once in a while, if you go, oh, I drew them on the wrong side well, with a computer, you can literally select them and flip them. No problem whatsoever. Where like back in the day with paper and pencil, it, it's a whole, you'd have to literally redraw that panel. And that just becomes another time consuming thing. Or you can go through and go, um, the character had this costume on. Well, in one panel, you kind of forgot some part of the costume. Well, you don't have to bust out the white out. You just go, I'll just, erase and draw the costume right done and you're finished 
and stuff you, like that just makes it so much more easy. You know, you know, I, I was, uh, when I was reading the comic, the, the first, um, the first book, there was a, there was a drawing of yours and, and I'm always impressed, right? Cause I have no, no drawing capability whatsoever. And, and whenever I'm, I'm reading your book, I'm looking at the panels um, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, I know the guy who did this. this is really impressive. <laughs> like to me, it's just, that's, that's a neat thing. But there was, there was one issue and I don't remember which issue it was. Um, you have two people on a motorcycle and it's just like one of the very, um, it, it's not actually part of the story. It's just like, you it's open just the cover an art picture. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's just an art picture inside. And there's two people and they're sitting on, I think it's, I think it's uh, Izzy and, and ball. They're sitting on, on the back of a motorcycle. And um, I, I really, I was really captivated by, you're probably, gonna, you're probably going to hate this. Um, but I was really, I was really taken aback by the, the detail of the motorcycle. Um, and it's such a weird thing to, to focus on. And I, even after I was looking at it for about a good two minutes at that picture and I realized, wow, look at the detail of this motorcycle. This is really good. And I thought, I can't wait to tell Paul about this because he's probably going to think I'm, you know, great. You know, the one thing I, I well, don't no, because care I, about is the motorcycle, right? Well, two things. I care about okay. motorcycles. Oh, I well, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's, but another thing is it's semi-cheating. Simply because what it is, I took a motorcycle picture that I knew of and got the dimensions correct and then just filled in the detail. So I didn't okay. have to worry about actually having it the right size because I had a person on a bike in that picture and went, okay, so the person has to be this big. And then after I got the person, and you can basically just put it on your, your, your computer like in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. You do a quick, like, it's not really a trace. It's more of a, like a dimension where like, here's the wheels, there's the wheel. And then all you do is then you just take away the motorcycle, like the background picture, which is the real bike, and you can just fill in the details. That way you get all your proportions right. And I'm now I'm all worried about because I'm not worried about the cars looking good and the bike. That's not what I'm focused on. I want the characters to bring across what the characters are doing. Yeah. So if yeah. I can do anything possible to make those, that's the easy part of drawing. And then I just, you don't want to draw like a lot of people in comics now. They'll, take a, they'll literally take the motorcycle and they'll put a Photoshop filter over it and go, I'm done. Which basically turns into a cartoony looking thing. But it's so detailed that your character now doesn't match. Because it's super yeah. detailed, and then your your Spider Man who's sitting on, or like you know Mary Jane who's sitting on it, who's in she's in uh, eleven head proportion, which means her head's really small compared to her body size, not like a normal mm-hmm. human, because she's superhero proportioned, and it doesn't match anymore because you have to do too detailed of a motorcycle. So it's like you you got to match your art styles, and that's the and so what I did is I just took it the, the motorcycle and got the basic outline in it, and then just drew it cartoonish. It's still very, I mean, still looks like a bike, has all the right bike features. But it's just, it's not 100% a motorcycle. Like just a, a, I didn't just trace a picture of it. Right. And, and that was the interesting thing while I was looking at it, because I was looking not just at the bike, but obviously pulling back and looking at the characters that are sitting on there. And I was just, I was just impressed by the way the, that all of it really pulled together. Because to your point, it, it was a detailed bike. It looked great, but it, it fit with the overall aesthetic of the book and with the characters sitting on top of it. And it looked like it was it's like the whole thing just came together nothing looked odd or awkward about the about the picture um and i just thought it was probably i think of all of the all of the things it was the one thing that out of all the pages that i've seen that i've read it was something that just really kind of stood out to me that uh, that i found fascinating about that so anyway i appreciate <laughs> it yeah, uh, it was one of the things that I, I wanted to do because you you get into this p- panel grind of just like drawing panels of people like talking and moving mm-hmm, and stuff, mm-hmm. and you don't get to do those like they're just like set pieces, right? So every once in a while you just kind of break free and go, okay, I'm gonna do a set piece. I just want to draw the person doing something, and that's it's a nice little break because you're not they're they're not they're acting, but they're not they're not acting for a point. Mm-hmm. So like when two people are talking in a panel, they have to be like, you know, if someone's going, Hey, what are you doing? You got to make them look like they're saying, Hey, what are you doing? Not just kind of staring off in the space, just, and then the little board balloon goes, Hey, what are you doing? Well, that's, that's no fun. Yeah. You got to make them look like it. That's why I, I believe like your hand should always, it's like there was a animator who animated, I believe it was the rescuers, which is a Disney cartoon, yeah. the original rescuers, not the two rescuers. Little yeah, yeah. Two little mice. And the bad, the villain is like an older lady. Bianca and, and Bernard. Yeah. But I don't remember what the old lady's name is, but yeah. when the anime was talking about, like, he, she was supposed to be doing, like, this monologue. Uh-huh. But to make it more interesting, what he did is had her, like, looking at, like, a, she's taking off her makeup in front of a mirror. 
So she's got like eyelashes. Oh, she's, she's pulling, pulling the eyelashes off. off. Yeah, yeah. that's why she's. So it's like, yeah. even though she is telling you everything you need to know, it's not just her making a monologue. It's her like doing something else. And right. that's like like in the one when when Isidore's explaining to Gavin what Gavin truly is and why he's strange. I didn't want them to just be sitting at a table and her just like having this like. I'm going to stand on my soapbox and explain it to you. No, she's like, they're eating. Then she's doing dishes in front of yeah. the counter. I mean, it's just, she's doing something else because most people don't just stand and discuss stuff. They're always doing something else while they're discussing. Mm, and then that just that little bit of like interaction, it keeps your kind of attention. Cause even in like in this, this last issue I did, that has a whole, a whole, an issue too. There's a whole background where Isidore explains to Gavin what ball has done in her life. And I didn't want just the, giant word balloon of like dialogue vomit mm. so mm-hmm. while this is going on something else is balls doing something in the background that you're reading also so it's like as she's doing something in the background they're they're discussing it so it gives you something else to look at and because yeah. i always hated like as i said the dialogue vomit where it's just a massive amount of like i don't know oh they're called info dumps where you just just dump a bunch of info on you and you just kind of go oh, okay but I have just two heads talking. And that's a big thing now in comics. They do nine panel like grids of some guy talking to the reader of just like the guy's just head talking to the reader for nine panels. And I'm like, first of all, as an artist, kill me. I don't want to draw nine heads of just guy talking to me. And then as a reader, you just go, okay, well, that's not exciting. That is, that's the epitome of not being exciting. So it's just not, might as well make one giant head and all the word balloons right. instead of on one him, paper on one, yeah. on just one gigantic panel. Exactly. Yeah. Just cut yeah. out the middleman. But yeah. I mean, now it's a lot easier because what he'll do is they'll just make one, one guy talk like head multiply it times nine and just tweak it a little bit in every film. So he's doing something yeah. a little bit different and they, 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 you know, with computers, you can do that. Well, but as it seems, a reader, it, it seems like such a such a waste of the medium too, because the the you know comics are such a great way to produce a visual medium in a very with a very low budget compared to television or or movies. And then so when you see a, a page of of like you said nine panels of just a, a talking head right there, it's like well what a waste of the medium. Yeah, and there's rules to making comics that I don't think a lot. Well, not really rules. They're like. It's kind of like storyboarding, like when you, you're making a movie, there's ways to make a scene interesting, and then there's ways to make a scene boring. Mm-hmm. Well, to make a scene interesting, you can't just have like the medium shot, lots of medium shots straight on, which is the guy, blah, 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 because that doesn't show enough information. But if you, if you, if you miss up your panels with some like long shots, I don't really like long shots because they look lonely to me. And unless you're establishing something, people walk, walking very far away talking there's no there's no feeling for me to it so i like either like close-ups and i even love i love extreme close-ups when someone's trying to make a point like an eye or a mouth or something talking because you get that kind of like red rum from mm-hmm. um rosebud that type of thing so you get that that super close-up and that that hits the impact home to where you go okay i'm interested in what is going on because we keep you keep varying the artwork so it's not always just this medium like i'm a full character and I tell people, because I've, I've talked to other artists and stuff, when I look at their comics, I'm like, if you look at your comics and you go, would this ever be on film, the way you're drawing it? Where everyone, you can see their top of their head all the way to the bottom of their feet. If you look at most films, there's no scene ever all, where they just like pretty much walk across the screen where you see right, the entire person. Right. Unless you're, you're trying to prove they're walking somewhere. Yeah. But as soon as they start talking, it's a medium shot or it's a close-up. It's, it's a sort. Because you want to identify and you want to see the eyes because the eyes show emotion your eyes and eyebrows are where you get a lot of your emotion so you want to see that up close and then and and stuff like that just makes you more invested in the characters and that's how you can have kind of like normal looking people in a comics that doesn't have like the superpowers or whatever and you can Mm -hmm. still be interesting and that's how another reason why i think manga gets it right where american comics don't because american comics is more worried about the superficial like he looks like the hulk he's superficial where in manga i mean i've read comics where all the characters there's probably 15 of them if you took their hair away they're the same character the hair yeah. is the only difference between them and luckily you have the hair so you can tell that that's one character and that's another character but when they start when they actually start acting and start talking and stuff you get to see the difference in the people and that's how you get that emotional build from it 
So let me let me ask you this. You know, in 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 media studies, media scholars and such, they always like to talk about how um, when there's a, a new text, whether that text is a movie, a book, a, a, you know, television, or etc., but there's always something imprinted onto the text by the creator themselves. And I think that's I think that's part of the for good or ill. I think that's that's uh, part of the problem with modern day comics. I think too many too many auteurs will imprint their own personal beliefs and everything onto the comic in a way that is very um, loud to the reader. They they print their their they basically imprint their politics or their various beliefs about certain things right into the into the comics and almost spoon feed it to the reader. You're not really doing that with this particular book. There's, you're, you're staying away from comic books or from politics. You're staying away from politics and all of that. And, and when I'm reading the pages, I can't help but think, where's Paul in all of this? So do you feel like you're, are, are, are you Gavin or are pieces of you Gavin or, or other characters or do um, you see that in your, in your work? No, I'm none of them. Because I, I don't believe you should write yourself in your own story. And I don't believe it's helpful because too many people write themselves as the, what they think a hero should be or what the, the, the protagonist should be is basically me. And I don't like that. Because like, like there's certain things like with everyone, we all have kind of a normal, what do you want to say it? Like kind of a generic way of acting around people. Every, all humans are humans. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to put yourself and go, I think like, too many people, they're like, they'll make their superhero character who's basically Superman for all intents and purposes, and they make themselves. I think that's very disingenuous. I think you should make it somebody else and then try to write how that other person would act. Because if that other person acts, if you can figure out how the other person acts and you get enough of their personality worth going, it's kind of like that old thing, like, you know, I think authors say it all the time where if you write your good characters well enough, you don't actually have to write them anymore. They just, they, they act the way they act and they just, the story writes itself because you don't have to say like, you know, this character would, would you, have, you don't have to actually think that the character would do something if this reaction happens because you just know the personality was the, they would do that. So it becomes a lot easier when you just don't write yourself in the, and you just write other people. Because I mean, all my characters have like a, like a small bit of people I know in them, mm-hmm. but none of them are actually, I just don't go like, my, like I have a friend, uh, a couple of friends, his name is Richard. And it, like I have some of his personality when he's drunk in one of my characters, but it's not, but other than that, that character is not him anymore. So it's like, okay. I didn't like, and then certain okay. things that happen like that kind of like the, not the bar, like the bar fight that Gavin gets into mm-hmm. with the guy that hits on ball mm-hmm. that happened. I was sitting right next to him when it happened. I saw a guy go to the <laughs> restroom and a dude literally sat down right there and started hitting on the girl. And I was like, that is ballsy. I don't even know how you have that much, right. but I saw it happen. So it's like, Stuff like that will happen. And then the excuse of like the guy coming back, the guy literally just went, no, no, sit over there. I'm here now. And I was just like, really? And I'm like, that would be, it's, it's something that happened in real life that you'd be like, that's never would happen in real life. But it did. It happened right next to me. So a lot I was of the stuff say, that happened. Well, I was going to say, you know, people might read that panel. They might read that part of the book and go, well, this just, that, that wouldn't happen. But here you are saying, no, that actually happened. Yeah, straight up happened. Now, they didn't get into a fist fight, but they got to where the point where the bouncers had to come and break them up and threw one guy out. Mm-hmm. But I was like, just unblemished. Yeah, that, it, it that literally, part, the yeah. guy walked into the restroom, which was like the restroom was literally four feet behind him. The door was. So the guy turned around, walked into the restroom, and this other dude walked over, sat down in his chair, and started talking to his girl. And I was just like, wow, that's, that is a different type of human that I don't understand, but it's going to be in a comics of mine. <laughs> so stuff like that is, that's interesting to me. And that's why I said, so I take things that have happened around me uh-huh. and I put them in the book and then like, and then, uh, and I write for all intents and purposes, like Ball and Izzy, if you, if you describe them as a human, they're sociopaths. But they're only sociopaths to us because they don't care about anything. Because they, they don't care about humans because they have a job to do. They were given a job to do. But other mm-hmm. than that, when you're immortal and everyone else around you that's human is going to die within like 90 years max, mm-hmm. they don't care. It just it doesn't affect them much. So when they, when they don't care about people, you get that unfeeling of like, you know, if they kill someone, they don't, they don't have any feeling toward that person they kill. And it's not because they're, they're, well, they are monsters, but it's not because like they're, you would say they're humans, like they're monsters. It's because they're not human. 
right. so they don't have that same type of feeling. So that's a different way of uh, just different way of writing. So when I write them, it just always comes down to their underlying is is this to them is all temporary. It all can go away and all, you know, like wealth, everything, their house that they live in, it's all just temporary. And since they don't eat, they're demons. They don't eat, they don't sleep, they don't they don't do anything. Like they, they don't have any biological function per se. If you took everything away from them, they just go to a different place and start over and it doesn't bother them whatsoever. Because they can't, I mean, it, it, it's, there's, no, there's no end goal for them. They're just there to do a thing. Mm-hmm. They're just there following their own natural way of being. Yeah, they're they're basically a lion or a tiger. They're just doing yeah. their thing, and humans happen to be a, their 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 prey for the most part. And so, it, so what comes next for you? I mean, in terms of this comic, or do you have any other any other types of comics that you want to create after you're done telling this particular story? Or how long um, is this story going to go for? Well, th- this story it's it's going to be in books, and each book is going to be like between two two hundred and two hundred fifty pages, somewhere around there. And there's going to be five books, and there's a definite ending to this. So all my stories I tell, I usually know the ending before I even start writing, because okay. I know how it's because I have a it's a story I want to tell from beginning to end, and then all the the Philly bits to get there is another issue. But I don't have that ongoing thing of where this character is just going to be around forever because that's not that's not the point of my stories. So after this, I do have a couple other stories I want to do. Some are a little bit longer, some are a little bit shorter. And this really kind of started out as a I want to make sure because I got this, the new program that I'm using that Clip Studio Paint, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that everything was like before I start like this massive cool tomb of you know the the great American novel. I want to make sure I knew how to use the program. And then this kind of just took off as I have a story to tell with them. And I've been, I've been bumping around this story in my head for years mm-hmm. because I just always found that funny that, you know, as I said, the guy gets the, the genie in the bottle and it's usually the guy's like some doofus who just, who can't get his stuff to shit, shit together, who, who the entire world, he's just kind of a loser. And this girl comes along and, you know, and he doesn't know how to act and he's nervous and she's like super authoritative and all. And that doesn't interest me. It's like, what if a normal 25 year old got like a basic a genie, you know? Gavin's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. But I mean, he's a normal 25-year-old who lives a 25-year-old life. He drinks. He drives. He goes to work. He, that's, well, he doesn't drink and drive at the same time, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But what yeah. I'm saying is he is a normal human being. He's had girlfriends. He's had, he, he has a life. He has a career. And then like, so it, it, what if he got someone? And then, then take into a fact that the genie he gets is not just, hey, how can I serve you? It's no, no. You're stuck in my world. I'm going to drag you around because you can't leave me and I can't leave you, but I got things I got to do also. Yeah. So, and then they can't be apart for very long or for very far. So it's just like, and then that with that dynamic, I just want to see where it goes. And then I have an ending where it's going to be, I mean, there's a definite ending to it. You know exactly what's going to happen. And once I'm done with that, I have a couple other stories. I have a story of, you know, I have an afterlife story that like deals with how she's dying and being in the afterlife, which that's going to be something I'm going to work. I'm still working on, but I have, so I have a science fiction story. I know I want to write and draw, which is going to kill me because I hate drawing spaceships, but it'll work somehow. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so, but there's these stories I have. And for the most part, they're just kind of plays on old tropes with a different look to them. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying to tell my story, like how it's a little bit different in the way I talk. Okay. And that's what I'm looking for. So you're in book two right now with Little Ball of Hate. How many more books do you have to, to, three. to, to publish? Three, three, books, three total? books Yeah, it'd be five books total. total. Okay. So, and, and, and that's the arc. And you'll see it kind of start picking up in book two of like how like the little bit more of what's going to be like, you know, the other factions because like there, there's, there's, I kind of allude to there's these other factions in this world of like, you know, the, the demons and like the, the, the warrior, the, the human warriors are trying to kill. So there's all these other factions but they're not really part of it because they just kind of went, oh, we don't care about that. Because once again, they don't mm-hmm. as those two individuals, but there's this whole other faction of succubi and incubi and muses that are all part of these different factions that do stuff. And it just kind of like, and I always think you should have started comics like very small and build to the big things. And that's what this is. It's going to be building to more bigger stuff because if you just kind of go, you know, you, you throw like, the, your superheroes down on the ground to go and they're part of this multinational force and they're fighting the, the invasion of whatever from a different galaxy the reader just goes oh, okay i don't care it's just too much it's just it's but if you start off with like 
like you had a hero who had to go through the academy and then then learns about the invasion and then meets them once in book one and then in book two he finds out the full version of the invasion and by book seven you're blowing up planets now we're talking but if you start blowing up planets on book page three well now we're bored because where do you go from there you got to build it right we talked about that with uh with the wonder woman movie uh the way that ended uh, you know thoughts aside but it had kind of a big, a big ending and uh, almost too big for the character, I think, especially for the first movie, because now um, it's like, well, yeah. well, what happens now? Like what's well, worse than that is uh, Aquaman. That's even worse. Oh gosh. Aquaman because he, was, he's got yeah. literally an army and a, uh, of, like a Godzilla creature that he controls. And <laughs> he, it's just like, okay, it's like I now rule the world. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you can, or, or even like Shazam, Shazam should not got his, what is it 12 other brothers and sisters or whatever yeah that should be yeah. that should be movie two movie right. one should be him rising to the occasion yeah not having to have help with all this family right because now, now it's like where do you go yeah because now first of all as a movie company now you got a bunch of kids that all mm-hmm. have to be in the next movie otherwise you'd be like right. hey what happened to the little little girl that was in yeah you know, we recast her she's not in the movie no more <laughs> yeah it's just like, okay, well, whatever. Well, so like, and, I, and I feel like the Avengers kind of did that when, you know, the, the first Avengers movie, right? They, they had the big uh, alien invasion that they saved the earth from. And then in the subsequent ones, they had to bring in Thanos. Um, but I felt that the third movie was kind of a, was kind of a letdown in terms of, of its, of its scope. Cause I felt like we already knew how it was going to end you knew, and so I felt like it was, the, the stakes were so high that it was almost to the point of, I don't care anymore. Um, I know I'm probably the minority. War? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did, because okay. game I didn't like at all. game was just too drunk out. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, Endgame. I'm sorry, I'm confusing the names. So the, okay. the last the last Avengers yeah. movie, the, the very last Avengers Endgame, movie. Endgame, was... I think they wrote themselves into a corner and went, oh shit, how do I get out of this? Time right. Travel. Well, and, and the, the problem that I, the big problem that I had with like Endgame, for example, was it was an Avengers movie, but it was really an Avengers movie starring Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, because the Avengers, I just felt like the Avengers had a very minor, minor role in the whole. In the whole Here, here's the biggest problem also you have with the Avengers. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like the same problem I have with like the Justice League and the, and the grand scheme of things. Uh-huh. It's like, let's see, the Avengers is made up of Tony Stark, who has an iron suit. Technically big deal. You have a super soldier. Okay. He's a little bit stronger. And then you have Thor, who's a god. Who does not belong in this group? Right. <laughs> okay. One of these people is a little too underpowered. And then we have like Wanda, who's really super powered. So it's like, and it's the same problem I have like the Justice League. You have like Superman and the Marty Martian guy and all this. And then you have Batman. He's a dude. Right. But right. He's just a dude in a suit. It's like, no matter how smart you make him, one punch he's still a dude in a suit. Right. Yeah. He's still so a it's dude like, in a suit. So he doesn't fit. And that's the problem I have with the Avengers. When they start putting everyone, like you put all those Wakandans and then all you put all, it's like some people don't fit in this group of like fight. Cause the monsters can't be too bad. Cause they just wipe everyone out, but all the, the lesser people, but yeah, they can't yeah. be too weak. Otherwise Thor's like, okay, what are we doing now? I mean, what do we do next? <laughs> I'll just throw it into the sun and be done with it. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you, you got a weird yeah. balance now. And in game was just, it was too long. And it was too nostalgia of trying to show like the other movies and time travel and stuff. I was like, eh. yeah. and I truly believe they ruined not so much Iron Man, but I think they really ruined Cap- Steve Rogers character because when he goes back in time to live out his life with Peggy, you're telling me through all the Korean war, the Vietnam war, all the civil rights stuff. He just went, Nope, not part of any of this. Right. I'm, just, he, I'm, he I'm forgetting all my, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm out. And also no one noticed that Peggy now is, mysteriously just disappeared and now married to some dude that looks just like Steve Rogers, but it's not him. This makes no sense. It's just like, yeah. okay. It, 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 the pair, the, the, I, I think they, they mishandled his character as Captain America, you know, stand up for good no matter what. And he just went, oh, I'm, I'm checking out of humanity and becoming a farmer. Yeah, that's not a thing. Right, he couldn't do that. It, the Steve, the Steve Rogers, I know, couldn't, could never have done that. And I think that was just, I think that was a way for them to get rid of the actors. I think the actors themselves were done. Um, not that you have to do that. I think that was just a way to really solidify that these characters are are done and not going to come back. Um, you know, a la James Bond kind of kind of thing. Yeah, I, well, I, it's, I I think it's two things. I think a their contracts are up. So yeah. and and uh, what's his name, 
Robert John Jr. hasn't had a contract in ages. So right. he gets like $50 million a movie. They did not want Chris Evans and Chris Helmsworth to do the same thing and start getting millions upon millions per movie. They just went, okay, we're just getting new heroes. Right. Plus they want to introduce a bunch of new heroes that unfortunately no one cares about and make them the new hot stuff. And it's just like, yeah, I guess you can try, but I, I, you, you kind of shot your wad with Endgame, and now we're just like, okay, now what? We, you know, we should we should do another we should do another one of these because I would love to just simply talk about uh, all of these extra um, these Marvel movies and and uh, where where they go from from here, um, the, the movies that they are trying to make, and are they interesting? I think that I think that would be a I think that would be a fun, a fun conversation. So for, for people listening, where can they go to find out more about your, your art, your, your comic book and all of that, where, um, where, where they can find, where can they find you? I have a website, littleballofhate.com. And also okay. if you just, if you just do a search on Amazon Kindle, little ball of hate, it will come up. Um, book one and two is, is combined because book one, as I said, is an ash can. So even though it says book two, the, it has a bonus of actually having book one and also. So it's just kind of a com- compile of both of them. And as I said, the, the, first, the first book, each chapter, because it's, it's book one, chapter one, book two, or chapter one, type stuff like that. So the, the chapters in book one are all 45 pages, and then the, the chapters in book two are all 25 pages. And then their, their costs, obviously, the 45 are more expensive than 25, because 25, I think you should not pay the same price for. Right. And I try to make them as cheap as possible, because I like the 99 cent hamburger theory. That the cheapest you can make them to get your more audience in there, the happier I am. Yeah, but definitely. unfortunately, Kindle, they have a minimum. You can't just charge ninety nine cents on Kindle. They don't allow that. Otherwise, I would, <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> and when does the next uh, the next chapter? You said it's coming out monthly now. When does when is that one supposed to? Um, usually, drop? they come out on the sixteenth of every month. Yeah. Okay, so, so just a few more Tuesday. days. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm finishing up right now. Is the final like doing a, a quick edit because after you read some so many times, you don't see the mistakes anymore. So you got to yeah. keep reading it. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks for coming on and at least talking about your book and talking about comics. And uh, I'll definitely have to bring you, invite you back and we'll talk yeah, more about uh, Marvel and DC and whatever else is going on in your comic book. Sounds good. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. On behalf of Paul Baba, I'm Manuel Ramirez and this is our second expansion pack. So we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Take care. <laughs>